0: Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Generally, there will not be a recording put up on Sunday mornings. However, as today is the very first day of our new program, Learning Through Neviim and Kisuvim, I thought it would be helpful for us to touch base, learn a little bit together, and make sure that we get off on the right foot. Today, of course, is also the first day of Elul. And Elul is a time when we take on spiritually ambitious undertakings, and so I want to say Yasher Kawach and Kolakavod for starting on this process of learning a little bit a day in order to accomplish something really tremendous, something really great that you can be proud of, and that is learning through Tanakh. Let's just jump right in. Rather than my introduce Sefer Yehoshua, let's let Sefer Yehoshua introduce itself to us. The very first pasuk begins, Vayihi Mos Moshe Eved Hashem. The Sefer opens up that it was after the death of Moshe who was the servant of God. And it's a very helpful frame in a few ways. Firstly, we now know that we are situated right after the death of Moshe, which is the very end of Sefer Devarim, the very end of the Torah. So chronologically, we are picking up right where we left off. But the shift from Moshe Rabbeinu to Yehoshua is a really fundamental component to understanding the whole of Sefer Yehoshua, and and that is in two respects. The death of Moshe casts a kind of shadow or an imprint on all of Sefer Yehoshua in two ways. The first is that Yehoshua is really the beneficiary and rides the wave of Moshe's incredible leadership. If we think about all of Sefer Shoftim through Sefer Devarim, we could really see it as a transition from a Jewish people liberated from Egypt, uh, a people that are possessed of a slave mentality with certain limitations uh, on their psyche and on their relationship with God, uh, who then develop through the process of going through the Midbar, going through the desert. Eventually, as we know, that the, the door Yotzei Mitzrayim dies out, the generation who leaves Egypt dies out, and the door Baiha aretz, the new generation emerges, and again, through trials and tests and tribulations, ultimately becomes the nation that will be ready, that will be prepared and equipped to conquer the land of Canaan. And that process is one that Moshe shepherded. That process is what Moshe toiled and gave so much of himself Uh, in order to see uh, to its completion. And now Yehoshua takes over and is able to lead the Jewish people to conquer the land of Canaan in such a successful way that uh, one has to recognize that it's not just because Yehoshua is such an outstanding leader, but it is because he's riding the the wave uh, of all that Moshe had worked towards during his tenure as the leader of the Jewish people. And that's why Sefer Yehoshua is distinguished as basically the most uniformly positive book in all of Tanakh. Things, by and large, go right. And they go right because of all of the groundwork laid by Moshe Rabbeinu. And so in that respect, Vayhi Acharimos, Moshe Eved Hashem is a wonderful frame for the entire book. In addition, it frames specifically the first parak of Sefer Yehoshua. Because the first parak of Sefer Yehoshua is colored by a a certain sense of anxiety, perhaps even a crisis of leadership. Recognize, Yehoshua is not just taking over for a great leader, uh, following a great leader, a great prophet. He's he's following. He's becoming the leader after the greatest prophet to ever live. The Torah tells us no one will ever be as great. As Moshe, and so there is a real crisis here of how how can we move on? How can we possibly pick up the pieces now that Moshe is has passed away, and take on this tremendously frightening, daunting task of going in and conquering the land of Israel? So that's Yehoshua's challenge. He's following not just anybody but Moshe, Eved Hashem, and so it's not altogether very surprising that we find in the very first section of this Perak, the first uh, nine psukim, where Hashem charges Yehoshua to take the mantle of leadership of the Jewish people, that Hashem continually tells Yehoshua Chazak ve'ematz, Chazak ve'ematz Rak Chazak ve'ematz, he tells Yehoshua be strong and be stalwart Yehoshua understandably needs that encouragement, right? Rak Chazak ve'ematz betrays the fact that Yehoshua must be feeling a good dose of of anxiety, as anyone would if you were filling the role of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that again is reflected in this recurring statement, "Rach the Ve'ematz. So, as I said, we begin with Hashem charging Yehoshua to take the mantle of leadership and to take the Jewish people into the land of Kinahan. Then, in the second act, the second piece, the second unit of this first Perech. Yehoshua commands the Jewish people to prepare themselves, ready themselves to enter into the land. And then finally, the last unit of the parak is Yehoshua dealing with the tribes of Reuven God and half of the tribe, Chatzishevet, Menashe. You'll recall that in Bamidbar, uh, the tribes having, uh, after the Jewish people have conquered the Transjordan, uh, the tribes of Reuven and God and eventually the half of the tribe of Menashe say, well, we kind of want to stay here. We don't want to go into uh, to inherit the land of Canaan proper. We want to stay here. This is fertile, lush land. Can we stay here, Moshe? That was their request, and Moshe saw this as a kind of thinly veiled shirking of their responsibility. That oh, you're just trying to uh, to figure out a way how to not bear the the burden um, in uh, conquering. The land of Canaan. And they assured Moshe, no, we will go. In fact, we'll be at the vanguard. We will go and conquer the land of Canaan, and then we can come back and we will dwell here. And that was the deal struck up between them and Moshe. And so at the end of this first parak of Sefer Yehoshua, Yehoshua goes to these tribes and says, you better make good on your promise. And they assure him that they will. Now, recall, recognize, I should say, that The Torah is not a history book. Neither Nevi'im, Ksuvim. I mean the Torah broadly defined. And so when something is recorded, it's recorded because it's important. Now, had this not been here, I would have simply assumed that Reuven Gad and Chati Shevet Menashe would have followed through on their promise. No reason to believe otherwise. So the fact that it's recorded means that it's important. And not only is it recorded, but it's given a certain pride of place because it's really Yehoshua's first order of business after telling the people in a uh, very brief tupsuk and really one pasuk to get themselves ready to cross over. So Yahushua immediately goes to these tribes to ensure that they will honor their promise. And the question is, why is it recorded? And, and why is it given such pride of place? And I think that we have it here in such an important kind of first move of Yahushua because it tells us two two things that are critical. Firstly, it gives us the pulse of the Jewish people. And that is that if the people were... Extremely nervous about what lie ahead, and undoubtedly they were, they were nervous. But if they were really overwhelmed with nerves, so we might have expected that Reuven Gad and Chazishevet Menasha would try to wiggle out of this obligation, and they don't. So that's a good thing because it tells us that they're still committed, and it tells us not just that they're committed, but that kind of as a uh, as a, a example uh, or as a sample of the Jewish people, we see that they're ready to go and uh, prepared. To go and conquer the land of Israel. So it gives us the pulse of the people. Beyond that, though, it tells us very importantly that the Jewish people are going to continue to support and listen to Yehoshua in the same way that they listened to Moshe. They're going to honor the promise that they made to Moshe, even though it is going to be realized under the leadership of Yehoshua. And we see the support the Jewish people have put behind Yehoshua. In fact, uh, the, the the final psukim are very strong. They say we are going to be with you. They say it explicitly: we're going to be with you, just like we were with Moshe. Anyone who dares to defy you is going to pay dear consequences. And they conclude, "Rak hazak just as Hashem tells Yehoshua, um, "Be strong and stalwart." Now it's coming from the tribes. Just be strong and stalwart. So we see that they also appreciate the the Herculean task that's placed on Yehoshua's shoulders, and that they have, and that he has their full support. And that's why this is a critical piece. Uh, to uh, conclude the very first parak of Sefer, Yehoshua. I want to add one other note, which I think is quite important, and that is that the kind of uh, fear and anxiety, uh, that, that crisis of leadership that expresses itself on a narrative level in terms of who could possibly lead the Jewish people after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, also expresses itself, I would argue, in a kind of literary guise. What do I mean by that? I mean that, of course, we take it for granted that there is Torah, there's Nevi'im, and there's Kisuvim. There's obviously more holy, uh, holy works, scripture, a broader biblical canon than just Torah. Moshe, just the Torah given to us from Hashem through Moshe. But in the time of Yehoshua, that was not patently obvious. The idea that anything could come after the Torah uh, may have been a, a novelty, a surprise something that could not be taken for granted. And so I think uh, there is an implicit kind of anxiety that is being dealt with uh, around the very existence of this book. And I would argue that the way the Torah is addressing that, the way that the, the book of Yehoshua is addressing that, is that it uses so much of the language of the Torah itself, of Torah's Moshe. Almost every line, almost every pasuk, in this parek, uh is a biblical allusion to something that was said earlier. And that's gonna be true for much of Sefer Yosho and really to a degree throughout uh, Nevi and Rishonim. And I think that the argument that's implicitly made by the reuse of the same language is that th- this, this work is of the same ilk. Uh, this work should be seen as a continuation, continuity from Moshe to Yehoshua. And I think that the same argument is really being worked through uh, when the Gemara in Baba Basa records the position of Rabbi Yehuda who says that the last eight sukkim of the Torah were in fact written by Yehoshua. The last eight sukkim of Sefer Devarim after the recording of the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so what we have is this progression from the first four books of the Torah which have a certain status. Then we have Sefer Devarim. Devarim, we could say, positively has a greater hand played by Moshe Rabbeinu. Exactly what that means, the nuances, the differences, it's a lot to work out there. But we all agree that Sefer Devarim is Moshe's speech. It's Moshe's grand soliloquy. And so there's more presence of the, the human and prophetic hand. And then the last Epsakim, we have Yehoshua writing of the of the Torah itself. And then this kind of seamless transition to uh, Nevi'im with Sefer Yehoshua. I think a very powerful um, argument for, an implicit argument uh, for the very justifi- for the justification for the very existence of Sefer Yehoshua, Nevi'im and Kisuvim. That's it for today. Chazak ve'matz and happy learning.